0: From Hyde Park United Methodist in Tampa, Florida, this is The Bible Project 2020, a journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. I'm your host, Nikki Taylor. In this week's episode, I'm joined by McGray DeVega and Scott Smith for a discussion of the Book of Judges. McGray is the senior pastor here at Hyde Park United Methodist. Scott Smith is an ordained elder here in the Florida Conference. He is a graduate of Florida State University and Duke Divinity School, the founding pastor of Community of Faith near Disney World in Orlando, and currently serves at First United Methodist Church in Ormond Beach, Florida. As you will see in our conversation with him, Scott is highly regarded as an engaging and creative preacher and an effective leader in the church. The Book of Judges is a mixed bag. It has some fan favorite Bible stories, like Samson and Delilah, and some of the most disturbing stories in the Bible like the Levites and the concubine. This begs the question, what do we do with the Book of Judges? McGray, Scott, and I tackled this tough question in today's episode, finding a way to make sense of these violent and foreign texts in our own context. Our readings from Joshua this week begin with the description of the division of the promised land. Honestly, not fun for us to read, but they represent the fulfillment of the promise God made to Abraham. Chapters 23 and 24 conclude with a final sermon from Joshua. As he knew he was ready to die, for Israel to remember the covenant and keep God's commandments, or they will fall into exile. The people insist that they will, but as we will see in Judges, that does not happen. The book of Judges overall tells the story of Israel doing pretty good at keeping God's covenant to eventually falling into an epic failure at keeping it. The name of the book comes from the type of leader God established to rule over Israel at the time, the Judges. The book begins with the Israelites trying to drive out the rest of the Canaanites, who we need to remember are really a representation of sin and rebellion but Israel fails at driving them out. We then get an outline in Judges 2, 6 through 23 for how the rest of the book of Judges will go. Israel breaks the covenant, they are oppressed by others, Israel repents, God raises up a judge, and there is a temporary peace until the cycle starts all over again. Using this cycle of Israel sinning, being oppressed, being sorry, a judge saving the day, and a temporary happy ending, until they mess up again, the stories of the six judges are presented. Now, I'm not going to lie. The book of Judges is very disturbing. At first, the judges are good and morally upright, but they get worse and worse until we get into some really disturbing territory at the end of the book. Chapters 17 through 21 include the murder of an entire city of Laash for its wealth by the Danites the abuse, rape, and eventual murder of an innocent woman by the Israelites and the inciting of Israel's first civil war that causes a lot of deaths. This is all super disturbing, but it's supposed to be. It shows how far the nation of Israel has fallen, how they are no longer anywhere near the faithful and holy nation God called them to be. All this sets the stage for the next chapter in the nation of Israel, the rise of kings, in 1 Samuel. So it's great to have McGray and Scott here with us today. Hey Nikki. guys. And so we're going to have a little conversation about judges today. So first, let's talk about the book as a whole. So as we're reading through Judges, what do we need to know about the structure and the plot and all that good stuff of this book? <laughs>
1: Well, the book of Judges is a, a pretty critical narrative in the development of the Israelite community. I like to think of it as uh, the adolescent stage or the teenager stage of the Israelite people. They've just been birthed uh, by going through the wilderness and entering the promised land. They're not quite yet to full maturity with the monarchy. So they're going through this stage where they're trying to figure things out. Uh, and if you've ever raised a teenager or all of us have been teenagers, you know, that sometimes the choices they make are good, sometimes. They're not good, and they need to have guardrails or discipline in order to get them to do the right things. And this happens over and over and over again in the Book of Judges. Um, and so, I think it's a c- pretty critical bridge uh, between the stories that we've just read uh, before we get to the height of their power. Scott, what would you say is the uh, the chief theme of, of Judges?
2: We forget quickly. We move on. We do our own, and it's. It is teenager. We're doing our own thing in judges. I mm-hmm. everybody did what was right in their eyes.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that is that's the way the book ends with that very phrase. Yeah. And that, right. that explains a lot of our adolescent <laughs> years for sure.
2: Right. And, and they're part of it as I read to the book of the Judges, one of the questions I always have is uh, what's my responsibility to teach the, the generation behind me?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's how they that's how they got into the trouble in the judges, nobody was telling stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another interesting aspect of the structure of Judges is that it is built on cycles of stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) There's this idea that Jewish time is not only linear, but it's also circular. Um, Certainly with the Jewish calendar, there's a very linear aspect. Uh, to it. We're currently in the year 5780, uh, which is a linear progression from the beginning of time. But if you look at the Jewish customs, the rituals, and uh, the way they perceive time, it's very circular. So Judges is built on cycles, 12 cycles of stories, which basically goes like this. There's a period of peace where they're obeying God, and then they disobey God, and then, um, and then there's punishment because of the dis- disobedience, usually in the form of an army that comes in that sweeps them and kills them. <laughs> then they're at rock bottom of the cycle, so they cry out to God in anguish. And then uh, on the way back up the cycle, God then sends a, a deliverer that we call a judge, but it's not a, a law adjudicator kind of person. It's basically just a leader, a temporary, non-hereditary a charismatic leader who demonstrates God's power who delivers the people and then there's victory and then there's peace that's restored so you can that's a whole cycle of disobedience back to obedience that happens 12 times now we only know stories of 6 of those cycles but we're told in uh but we're told that this happens twelve times during their adolescence stage I
2: would probably talk about it being a downward spiral right? mm-hmm. I mean, the story the stories start off with hey, we forgot God, I mean it is that it is there's a little bit of that teenager mess of hey, we didn't do what we were supposed to. we screwed up, we got in trouble, we suffered for it. How long, crap, what's gonna mm-hmm. happen? We need somebody to get us out and and it's this downward spiral that it ends literally almost in civil war, uh-huh mm-hmm.
1: uh-huh which sets the stage for why they feel like they need a king.
2: Right. Um, we got to have a king. Next book is all about we got to have a king to be like everybody else, which isn't that the teenager motto. I want to be like everybody exactly, else. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so, as you said, this is a book of a downward spiral. We go from the first judge, Gideon, who is a nice encouraging story of God being able to um, do more with us than what we believe is possible to Samson with all his flaws. And when we think, you know, we want to be great. We want to be strong and powerful. Um, it's not going to end well. So as we're reading through this, you can see there's a lot of violence in this book. That's that's no um, no it's secret. What makes it good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what what do we do as a modern day reader? How do we deal with all the violence in this book? Because it is disturbing to see what's going on here and think this is in our Bible.
1: It is the bloodiest book in the entire Bible. I've said in sermons that Game of Thrones has nothing on the stories of Scripture, and I know Scott, you're a huge fan of Game of Thrones. So what do we what do we do with all this?
2: Yeah, Judges is Game of Thrones Yahweh edition. I mean, and so is it that we're offended by the violence in there, but yet Game of Thrones is the best selling show ever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's something about humanity that's drawn. What I like about it, uh, what I love, the violence is it's real, it's raw. I mean, they they don't try. And sugarcoat the stories. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I guess a good editor would be like, "Hey, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't do this. You probably shouldn't say this." But I, I love it. It talks about how God's working in the chaos. Uh, that God doesn't go, give up. That God keeps moving. That God God doesn't quit on these people, even though they're horrific. <laughs> um, but I, I think part of the problem for me with the violence when people say, "Oh, there's so much violence," is We're blaming God, but God doesn't bring the violence into the story. Mm. I mean, if you think about how the story began creation, when when you put the the story we tell of creation from our our Judeo-Christian perspective, we talk about how God created a good creation, that God doesn't create out of violence. What's crazy is, I think, and I read this in a book from Earl McManus, he talks about how God, uh, God taints God's relationship or no God's reputation with us with the violence because God chooses to get involved in huma- humanity just as we are and move us to where we need to be. So I, I, I like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's an important point. Uh, what I've said in a prior podcast is is basically the way we perceive God, the way we understand God, is using the cultural contexts of our time, and uh, this period of time, uh, our sort of our ancient human ancestors. Violence was a kind of language that they used uh, Mm -hmm. to understand the world, to understand themselves, to communicate and to demonstrate obedience to God. And so when these stories were first circulating, they understood obedience as uh, involving violence. They understood a lack of obedience as as not carrying out what they perceived God wanted them to do. So violence really was – a kind of vocabulary that clearly is infiltrating this growth period in the Israelite community. Now, fortunately, um, human consciousness has evolved. We don't need violence to communicate as much as our ancestors did. So, the equivocation here is: How are we called to demonstrate obedience and faithfulness using the language that's appropriate for us? Not violence, thank goodness. Shall we talk about some of the stories?
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, a lot let's. Of the <laughs> Let's apply some of this stuff. <laughs> so which stories jump out at you first?
2: I mean, the, the, uh, honestly, they, they are one of my favorite sermon series I've ever preached. Uh, I called it Bad Boys and a Girl. Because that's what I love about the stories. The, the judges we hear say are bad boys. And they turned into, they did something good, mm-hmm. maybe in horrific way, for mm-hmm. the bad boys. So, um, And Deborah, you got to talk about Deborah and jail. they're They're a
1: good part of the story. Well, Deborah is one of my favorite stories in the whole uh, Hebrew Bible because it is – it's a story of how a a person who's basically a representative of a minority, um, Mm -hmm. a a female, um, has just a a powerful, prominent role in what's essentially a patriarchal world where the male general – um, Barak yeah. refuses to go into battle unless, uh, this prophetess named Deborah, uh, blesses him and goes, goes with him. And it culminates in this, in, again, an act of violence, this incredible, um, like w- w- wonder, wonder Woman kind of moment when Jael kills Sisera through the most graphic means yeah. you can imagine. Yeah, so it's, it's great
2: that's the problem. You try and clean it up. Wonder Woman is, you know, it's not a Wonder Woman <laughs> moment, it's Game of Thrones. He nails a stake through his head. That's
1: right, a tent peg from that's temple to temple. 13. That's right. So, so it's a, it's a powerful f- uh, female empowerment story, and as the father of two girls. I just love that. What are the other big stories that jump out at you? uh,
2: One, I'm a huge fan of Samson and it Mm -hmm. ties into the violence standpoint. I mean, Samson growing up, you know, he was a Sunday school hero kid, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh, it's Samson, you know, the long hair and all of this. But man, when you really read the story, my favorite part is that story at the beginning of Samson. I think it really is the myth of redemptive violence. Mm -hmm. We've talked about how violence is so used in judges. But in Samson, the best part of the story is he says he goes to visit his wife, and he takes with him a young goat. Which we're recording this. We're recording this right before Valentine's Day, so tomorrow I'm going to take a young goat to my wife. Good luck. <laughs> See how that goes, <laughs> right? Because it's biblical. <laughs> But he goes and it finds out that the father-in-law has given his wife away to his friend. And so he, he he says, well, now I have a right. And he ties up the foxes and runs them out and burns the field, which is just – Horrible. I mean, destroys their economy, and then then the Philistines say, "Well, we have a right to get back with him," and so they slaughter and burn his mom. I mean, his wife and his father. I mean, his wife and burn her and all that in the family. And then and then Sam's like, "Well, now I have a right." And he has a great scene where he grabs the jawbone of a donkey mm-hmm. um, and slaughters people with it. Um, and then the whole tribes of Judah come up. I mean, it's a horrible story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard a sermon one time, and I've actually preached it. Broad uh, Bell did it first, but, but I heard it. It's like, you have to drop the jawbone. Mm-hmm. And that at some point in that story, what we have to do, I mean, how we take what we learn in Judges Today is somebody does something to us and so we do something back. Or somebody mm-hmm. tweets or posts or does something on social media and we have to respond back and we just keep adding violence into the system. Well, sooner or later, you've got you to drop the jawbone. Mm-hmm. You've got to stop swinging. That's good.
0: So what about the story of Ehud? The left-handed guy.
2: I've seen two stories on this a little bit. Both of them, I think, are good. One is that he who is a Benjamite and, and there was a, there were the Benjamites were trained to be right and left-handed warriors. So maybe he was he was trained for such a moment as this. But the school of thought I kind of hang to is back in those days. Uh, left-handed people were in the wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. you were trained to be in the right and everything was right-handed. And even if you were left-handed, you were taught to be in your right hand. They still did that up until the fifties and sixties, I think here, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. taught you, mm-hmm. you had to write with your right hand, uh, kind of stuff. So, so Ehud is left-handed. So literally he's less than mm-hmm. in some capacity. People were not seeing him, but because he's left-handed, that meant he would have put his sword on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. And to draw, because you would draw, yeah, a left-handed person would draw their sword from the left, from the right-hand side. When I'm using the terminology less than in the views of the world, of society at that time, somebody who was outsider, not good enough. A left-handed person wasn't good enough. But that's exactly who God used because of what the world said. Well, that's not good enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, all the stories in the Bible is God doesn't pick the person everybody else picks. Right. Mm-hmm. God's picking a little league team. He's certainly the bad news bear. Yeah. <laughs> For me, what I love about it is it, it's not how other people see me that matters. It's how God sees me. Right.
0: Okay, so as we're wrapping up here, I don't <laughs> think we can have a conversation about judges without, unfortunately, addressing the um, Levite and the concubine and how, as this story is getting worse and worse and worse, and we just don't think it can get any worse. Here we have this absolutely terrible story. Yeah. So what do we do with it?
1: In any narrative, in any really rich plot, there comes a moment where you feel like it can't get any worse and mm-hmm. then it does. Um, uh, screenwriters might call it the all is lost moment when <laughs> you wonder if the hero will ever get out of this right, right. incredibly, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, Scott, this devolving spiral of violence meeting violence. And then we get to Judges 19 and it just gets about as bad as it can get mm-hmm. with this with this concubine and the violence that's done to the concubine that in some ways is, I mean, she gets cut up into 12 pieces, which, you know, that sort of resonates with these 12 tribes, this confederacy right, that's right. trying to figure things out. And it's just hit rock bottom in terms of their ethical decisions and their faithlessness. And this story is kind of a symbol of, of rock mm-hmm. bottom. Um, and that, that, just,
2: and that, Isra- that Israel's torn apart and scattered all over the place and everything's horrible and it's terrible and we need a king. To mm-hmm. fix us. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so the concubine story, the story, we just go, <laughs> it had to be thrown in there. We're not going to try and make sense of it. Uh, life life is horrible. We're moving on to the next thing. Right. Mm-hmm. We have hit rock bottom there. Mm-hmm. This is it. We're done. We're chopping up a concubine and sending her everywhere to remind yeah. us we're not a people. We're just tribes. Right. Mm hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And as a side note, I think this is where the Wesleyan quadrilateral comes into play when we look at texts like this in the Bible and how we can, you know, use use our reason, use our logic that God gave us to kind of say, I know at least how I don't apply this text. So for anyone who's a fan of The Handmaid's Tale, in the sequel book, The Testaments, this text is actually used to young girls in school to tell them why women are less than, because they just, you know, pick this story up with no context and say, look at the woman, because she was a concubine, she died, and they cut her up in 12 pieces. And so that's why you have to be a quiet and submissive woman. So we can take the Bible and use it to do some horrible things. But we can also take the Bible and use it to do good things as well. As long as we are interpreting scripture with reason, tradition, and experience in mind like good Wesleyans. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. I found McGray and Scott's insights and excitement around the book of Judges helpful as we journey through the troubling sections of this text this week. Their ability to apply the text to our everyday lives is an example of what we as Methodists call the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. This is the idea that we interpret everything we read in scripture through the lenses of our logical reasoning, the tradition of the church, and our own experience. Scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. The four helpful tools to help us interpret scripture and determine theology. While we can definitely use the Wesleyan quadrilateral on our own, it's especially useful to use this tool to interpret scripture with others in community. We at Hyde Park have multiple opportunities both in person and online to discuss and wrestle through these scriptures with others. So if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to find your place in small group community to learn and grow alongside others. You can find more information about groups and sign up at BibleProject2020.com. Thanks for taking this journey with us. I'm Nikki Taylor. See you next week.